The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, 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 no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his. <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now, here's your host, Ralph Malbro. I want the two of you numbskulls to get one thing through your head right now. The Satans are not, will not, and will never, under Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, trade back in the first round. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast. Uh, you heard Dave's Yeah, don't audio. sound so excited. I am. Well, I, you, they heard the people. They heard Dave's audio from the last podcast just predicting that the Saints would trade up like a gloating son of a bitch. And so I'm sure Dave will get to that. But as always, we are sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You can watch the NBA playoffs. The Pacers are getting housed by the Wizards slash Bullets of Washington. You could watch the Astros maybe. And if you sleeve of Wizard. If you watch the Astros, maybe if you're a masochist or LSU baseball, they're getting it's getting ready for re- regional time coming up. Uh, but the Pelican House 2572 City Place Court in Baton Rouge, they support us, so you should support them. All right, Doug Brees nachos. That's right. All right, Dave, just just go ahead and 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 gloat and get get it out of the way. I'm not I'm not one to gloat too much, you know. I I don't. What? I, I don't want to revel in 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 Kevin's stupidity. My what? Uh, yeah, because, seriously. Because uh, what? <laughs> what? Uh, you know, just the fact that Kevin thought that that they would actually trade down is uh, absolutely silly. Um, it it brings up the the common phrase: "Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it." <laughs> Uh, I mean, anybody who thought the Saints were trading down has not been paying attention to the team for probably doesn't watch the preseason games, probably doesn't have cable. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> zing! <laughs> zing! No, 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 that, that wasn't zing. That was several right across the bow. <laughs> to use a pirate uh, metaphor. All right, we'll get to that in a well, second. Let, let, let's, be fair. let's be fair. In the in the one percent chance that Kevin would have been right, you know he'd be he'd be wailing at me. So I'm not going to feel too bad. But and and also to give to give Andrew his due. I mean, Andrew also said that they would trade up, and he, he even predicted Brandon Cook. Well, let me ask you this, Andrew. We said it a little bit on the on the Friday uh, live show, but I think it. I think it bears getting into a little bit deeper. You know, that trade-up by the Saints was really, really smart because the price for trading up, because Buffalo went ridiculous and gave a number one and a number four to move up five freaking spots to get Sammy Watkins, the price that everybody wanted was super exorbitant apparently, yet the Saints managed to move up seven spots for only a third. And if they hadn't have moved up, Andrew, they'd have kind of been screwed in that all the wide receivers would have probably been gone and all the good corners would have been gone. So were you, in a way, a little bit surprised, not that they trade up, but that it was only for a third? Yeah, I, I thought the price was pretty pretty small. Uh, I was shocked that it was that little, honestly. Um, I mean, if you look at when they went up to get Ingram, they had to give up a first the following year to get him. Um, yeah. On top of uh, on top of their second round pick that year, so and that was in the late twenties. Um, so I was very surprised that moving up seven spots came that cheap in the first. I round. gulped a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I was like, I knew they were gonna get Cooks probably, but I was like, gulp. I was like, I was waiting to see what it was gonna be. Oh, I was half. I was. I mean, I, I was assuming. Okay, the second round pick is history. Forget the second round pick. That's obviously gone. But um, I was worried. You know that. 
they would dip in the following year, potentially, um, obviously not on top of a second. I, I knew they were flip-flopping picks, um, but I, I was definitely concerned. I was like, hey, is the first round pick next year fine? Because um, that's immediately what I thought because I was thinking of Ingram. Kevin, um, Brandon Cooks, he's a little bit small, but he's lightning fast. Um, is there any way that you do not do something r- ridiculous if you happen to play fantasy football and pick him like second or third round? That's going to happen, right? He's going to be he's, – he's guaranteed to be rookie of the year as we go full on homer, right? Dude, he's 5'10". <laughs> Not even. Dude. Dude. I mean, I mean, That's he's listed as Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles is like 5'6". Yes, but Darren Sproles is a running back. Yeah, but they – okay, but Brandon Cooks I, I don't think is going to get used that much as a – I don't think you're going to see Brandon Cooks running up the sidelines and, and getting jump balls in the corner of the end zone. That's just not what he's going to be doing. He's going to be catching short intermediate stuff where where I don't think height is as advantageous. He's also slightly taller than Deshaun Jackson and 20 pounds heavier and faster. Uh, well, then, just well, throwing well, that out there. Well, then shit, where's my kazoo then, I guess? I, I, I just, I mean, <laughs> well, that 5'10", five, that 5'10", five, just, it just gives me some pause. That's all. Kevin, Isn't he 5'9"? Is he... No, I is think he... he's supposed to be fine. He could be 5'9", but he's always, everybody says he's 5'10". Okay. Five, nine, he's listed at 5'9", he's 6'1", with the afro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kevin, you, you're like me. We get into ridiculous hyperbole and, and go irrational, but... Where do you think the expectations are for fans for Brandon Cooks compared to other highly drafted Saints rookie? And I talk, I'm talking offensive players. I'm talking Ingram, Bush. The, I'm talking in, in the Meacham, Meacham in, the, in yeah. the Sean Payton era. Kevin, where do you think it is? Like, what what are fans what are fans expecting of him? Those are not me. Those those buttons are not me, by the way. That's one of y'all. Um, that's, that's a shocker because that would have been my guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's why I had to say something because I was like, I, I'm not taking the bullet on this one. Um, God, I, I want to hope definitely the expectations. Not, definitely not me. Well, I want to hope the expectations are reasonable. Um, but no, we don't do reasonable on this right. podcast, Kevin. Right. Only only Dave does that occasionally. Uh, well, if you want me, to, well then if you want me to go nuts, then. Uh, I personally hope that I I personally don't think that he should be drafted second or third round. I think the only place I first think the only place he's getting drafted above round six is in new Orleans. And that's, and that's it, it with, with, with fantasy owners that want to just go ape shit about that. Um, in terms of, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of expectations, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, he's going to be what he's going to be the number three behind, behind, uh, Colston and stills. So I think 700 yards and four or five touchdowns is not out of the not out of the uh, picture. Well, Andrew, I I did actual research for this podcast. Darren Sproles it. and Lance Moore are gone. They combined for 108 catches. Where do those get distributed? You think, and how many of them are Brandon Cooks? I definitely think Sean Payton is going to find ways to get the ball in his hands. And a lot of those bubble screens, a lot of those short flare outs, you know, where, or gimmick plays where they'll send a slot guy in motion. And then literally as, as the ball is snapped, he's kind of already moving laterally and breeze just immediately fires it off at the line of scrimmage. I mean, I, I think a lot of those dump off passes will go to cook. So uh, while well, obviously like Kevin said, Cooks and Sproles aren't exact mimics in terms of the position that they play. I think in terms of the passing game, um, he will duplicate a lot of what Sproles used to do. Um, so I think he'll actually catch a lot more balls than than we think. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to catch 80 balls in year one, but I think he will be a prominent part of the offense and they'll find ways. You to can get kind of for you can kind of force him the ball. I feel a little bit more than like you could with Meacham. Like you couldn't run little like bubble screens for Meacham. When he was, I mean, yeah. even though, even though Meacham, he was injured his whole first, his whole first year practically, but I feel like yeah. you can force the ball to him more. Um, 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I, the, the one thing, like, to answer your question about what, what you had asked Kevin is, I think when Meacham was first drafted, there there wasn't really a vision in terms of the fans. I mean, maybe Sean Payton had a vision for him, but we weren't really sure. Like, we just assumed maybe he was going to be this receiver that would catch for a thousand yards and be awesome all the time. And really, he kind of had a niche of being a field stretcher, and he would make big plays. Um, he would stretch the defense. He would get behind the safeties and score on long touchdowns. But that was really it. That was his role in the offense. And when he was drafted, I don't know that m- most fans saw him as having just that kind of niche exclusively. Um, I think the Saints fan base as a whole is pretty smart. And I think they, I think coming in, they know that Cooks is going to be moved around a lot. They know he's going to be in the slot and they know he's going to be used a lot like Sproles was. So I think there's maybe a higher degree of expectation, um, maybe somewhat similar to Ingram. I mean, again, Ingram has kind of become a little bit more of a one-dimensional um, player in the Saints offense, at, at least up to this point. He's kind of been a situational guy. Um, but I think most people think Cooks is going to be maybe a little bit more diverse in this offense. So the I expectations, think, uh... I think, are high. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the one advantage that Cooks has too, and the reason why I think Peyton will probably use him a lot is there's not really there's no film on Cooks. Nobody really knows what he's yeah. going to do, what he's capable of. I mean, I guess you could they could go back and study college film, but I don't think they do that in the NFL. I think they only look at pro tape. So, I mean, at least for the first few games of the season, there's going to be very little film on, on on Cooks, and I'm sure Peyton's aware of that, and I'm sure Peyton's going to use that to his advantage, and and hopefully he'll hold back uh, for the first half of the season. And, you know, hopefully he's got some plays and some and some ideas and stuff like that that he's not even going to use till later after he feels like maybe teams are starting to figure out cooks a little bit uh, through the first half of the season. So we'll that's see. a good I mean, I mean, that's I'm, a good you know, point. Bush his first year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, Red, Red I mean, Bush. I think that's a big reason why Sproles was less effective as as time went on with the Saints, because people were starting to get a feel and understand how the Saints use him. Um, right. And so and and that, that I think was as, as big like of a part as why why it was time for Sproles to go as much as anything is people were starting to get it. Right. When, when, and when Sproles first came to New Orleans, I mean, I, I think Peyton used Sproles in a totally different way than the Chargers ever used him. I mean, I think they used him uh, way more as a traditional running back and way more as a as a special teams return guy. And I mean, I think Peyton was the best thing that ever happened to Sproles in his career and the way that he used him. And I think early on when Sproles was with the Saints, even though they had tape on Sproles from all those years with the Chargers, I don't think they had tape of him being used the way he was used uh, in New Orleans. So we'll see with yeah. cooks i'm expecting lots of catches for cooks uh i mean look how peyton used reggie bush in his first year 88 uh, catches for bush yeah that's he sure, set like a, a rookie record i believe and he was a running back uh so i definitely expect uh if, if you were setting me over at the over under at like 70 on catches i'd probably go over Ooh, that's a lot of man that's a that's a lot of catches for a I'm, I'm not gonna be surprised if cooks lines up next to breeze in the backfield at times in that offense. I wouldn't yeah. be the least bit surprised. Ooh, yeah, but then then if you line him up next to Breeze, Andrew, then don't you have to worry about, like, pass pro? And that becomes – then it becomes a little trickier. Well, you know he's not if – he's, if he's back there with Breeze, you know he's not blocking, obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean – Neither was Sproles. Yeah, yeah neither, exactly. Neither was Sproles. Um, Kevin, are you any less excited about – Stanley Jean Baptiste than you were on Friday when the Saints picked him in the second round. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm st- I'm still I'm pretty stoked to have a uh, to have a uh, a French pirate on the team. <laughs> He's a rebirth brass member. He's a rebirth yeah. brass band member. <laughs> he plays trombone. He's, yeah, he play he plays tr- he plays trombone in his in the I captain's quarters. Trombone. So that would be good. Anytime he anytime he gets a an interception, that that's the music they cue up in the dome, right? Hell yeah. But I mean, Dave, what's what's realistic for him? Like, what's the realistic thing for amount of plays you think he'll get? Uh, amount of plays. That'd be me. <laughs> it's a little early yeah, for that now. It is. Yeah, it's kind of early, but I, you know, I don't know. I guess I'd say if if it's if he's Good his first year, I'd say maybe like 33%, like a third of the plays. Um, I think I think he's going to take about a year to really uh, 
to really catch on. So uh, as far as SJB is concerned, I'm not expecting too much. Uh, so if you're saying 33 percent, you're thinking he's like the number three or four corner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Patrick Robinson is no more. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Patrick Robinson wasn't very good before he got injured. Now, now let's let's take that around the horn real quick. Okay. 53 man roster. Patrick Robinson on it or off it at the beginning of the season? Off. Kevin, are you on mute? Held. I think I <laughs> hang on. Wait, repeat the question. Patrick Robinson on the roster or no? Quick, we're going around no. the horn. No. Andrew? I'm saying off. Off. Dave? I'll say yes. Ooh. Dave. He's not gonna play much, but I think he I think I think he's good for depth in case somebody blows out a knee. Yeah. I don't know. Unless he unless he blows out his knee first. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um Andrew, why did the Saints on Saturday not draft anyone with two healthy knees until the sixth round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 they asked Sean Payton about that, and he said that I guess at least with um, Kyrie Fort, um, the report was he's 100% healthy. He passed. So, I mean, I, I trust that they did due diligence and their doctors did their homework and examined these knees and made sure. I mean, obviously with Sanceri, he's literally recovering from an ACL tear. So, <laughs> I think with the health of his knee is maybe more in question than anyone. Um, so I, I think you trust the, the staff to a certain degree. But I, I did feel like all three of those guys, I guess Fort, Sincerian, Powell, I, I just felt like the Saints could have gotten them later in the draft. And I realized they were somewhat limited based on the picks they had, and they targeted specific guys. But I just felt like all those guys were a little bit of reaches. I felt like they could have maybe been available – 10, 15, 20 picks later. Yeah, like I think Pierre Desir would have been. Uh, was he the one who, that was available in the? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think Pierre Desir might have been a, a better pick there instead of uh, Fort. Yeah, I, I don't like guys that are, one year wonders, and whenever they you draft them, all you talk about is their measurables because I, I, I prefer production, to better measurables. I know they're both important, but 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 if you if you give me a guy, Kevin, that's like, well, he's a little bit slow, but he's tall enough and fat, he's tall enough and big enough and all that, but he's just a little bit slow and he has great production, I'd much rather him over the guy that's the perfect physical specimen, but you're like, eh, he never really put it together in college, but he's totally going to put it together in pro football against even better competition. Yeah, but I mean what you just said makes absolute sense, and I should be agreeing with you. However, <laughs> if I can channel my inner Stephen A. Um, I have to, you know, you have I'd to go you to. Didn't. This... <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's day. It's Dave firing on all cylinders on uh, on Kevin today. It is. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> great, great. Feeling a little saucy. Um, Kevin, why did you pee in Dave's Wheaties? I, I have no idea. I don't know what I did, man. I don't know what I did. I hate um, you, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And your stupid wrestling. <laughs> Go ahead, Held. I've <laughs> stands what I can't stands anymore. Um, <laughs> really took me back there. Um, it's 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 the old it's the old metaphor, and of course I have to use baseball because it's fucking baseball. Um, you get two prospects, you get two prospects. One of them has, they both reach, they both hit the ball and reach first base at the same time. One of them has perfect form. The other one is sloppy. You take the one that's sloppy because when you teach him and train him properly how to get good form, he'll end up getting to first base faster. Ooh, Wait, like is this, that. is this your inner Billy Bean or your inner Stephen A still? This is probably my inner – oh, no. If I inner I'd be screaming more. <laughs> I um, like that and, metaphor, though. That's apt. Andrew, yes. Andrew, that sounds all well and good, and most people would say, well, you just have to trust Loomis and, and Peyton because they know what they're doing. But they've I would argue their, their one flaw is when they comes to linebackers, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> um, I listed all the linebackers they've drafted since 2002. I won't go through it, but needless to say, in my column, I called it the factory of sadness because well, they it's all. Not like it's not like they're drafted C. Grant or anything. 
Well, that's the thing, though. We don't know. I mean, they, they, they have a track record of not being able to pick a competent linebacker. They do. Yeah, I mean, they've gotten some decent free agents, but they haven't drafted anyone. I mean, the, the best linebacker they've gotten is Junior Gallette, if you want to call him that. Um, and he, he was undrafted, so... Uh, but no, I, I think I agree with you. I mean, I'll, I'll remind you, Ralph, that there's the flip side of that coin. I mean, Troy Davis and Danny Werfel were Mike did get draft picks that were some of the most successful players in college that the Saints ever drafted. And um, they were train wrecks with the Saints. Um, yeah. And everyone tried to warn the Saints that, yeah, they're not going to be good in the pros. They don't have what it takes. They don't have the size. And sure enough, uh, the the analysts and the scouts were correct on those two. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, – I mean, more than anything, especially when you get past the second round, I think you hope to get a starter out of the first round and second round, obviously. Uh, but once you get past that, the odds of you landing a Jimmy Graham or a Marcus Colston, it happens. It's the, – the odds, the percentages are incredibly small. Um, or Jari Evans. So, so I think – with the assumption that you're not going to get guys like that in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, I mean, you hope you do. Um, I think you have to have a vision for the guy that you draft making the 53 man roster and, and in year one and fitting something that you do. And so I think with Kyrie Ford, they feel like they've got a situational coverage linebacker and they lost Will Herring. There's a need for a player like that on the 53 man roster. Is he going to the pro bowl? No. You know, is he going to record more than 30 tackles in a year? No, but there's still a valuable place on the roster for a player like that. And if he can play special teams and he can cover a little bit, they need someone to replace Paris, Paris Harrelson on third and 15 um, because they don't want him against LaShawn McCoy. You know, they, they don't want him covering LaShawn McCoy out of the backfield. So that's where a guy like Kyrie Ford can come in and help the team. And so it's a situational player and Sanceri, maybe he's more of a special teams guy, but Again, if he's going to contribute on special teams and, and help the team, then there's a vision for him on the 53-man roster versus maybe a safety that would compete with another safety to try to make the team, and then he gets cut, and it's a waste of a pick. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's kind of where the Saints were going with that. I think what it signifies more than anything is the Saints feel really good about where they are offensively and defensively that they drafted so much for special teams this time around. Obviously they feel like that's the one weak area of the team that they needed to shore up. Dave, how, how concerned are you that they didn't address the interior of the line as far as depth purposes in the draft? I swear, if I, see, if I hear another fucking person talk about Mike Golick Jr. like he's going to do anything for this team. <laughs> I mean, his dad played with Reggie White. Ugh. It's time I mean, to a two-year deal, Andrew, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and Kevin, you know what Nick Toon's dad did too, right? Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Dave. Are you are – you... <laughs> I mean, you know, I know Cinco de Mayo's passed, but I'm getting beat like a damn pinata here. <laughs> Uh, Go ahead, Dave. I mean, if they addressed center, I mean, I'm assuming we're talking about center in particular, not really guard. You say interior line, but I think we're talking about center yeah. here. So, I mean, if they had addressed center in the draft, it would have been, what, in the fourth round at the highest. And I'm just not sure that there's that much of a difference between drafting a guy in the fourth round and finding a potential you know, decent diamond in the rough uh, through undrafted free agency or something like that. There's not that much of a difference than than drafting a guy in the first round. Only a guy, only a center drafted in the first round, I think, is anybody that you would expect to be starting next season. So if you, if they're not going to go ahead and you know throw all their chips in and and get a center in the first round and 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 take this seriously, then <laughs> then it doesn't really matter whether they draft the guy in the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round, or undrafted free agency. I don't think any of those guys uh, would be good enough to quote-unquote win now and to start next season. That certainly wouldn't be a, a good idea. So 
so whether it upset me or not that they drafted in, in the first round, no, it doesn't upset me that they d- didn't draft one in, in or in the draft because uh, they I didn't want them to do that in the first round, and 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 I wouldn't want them to do anywhere uh, in the upper end of the draft. So it doesn't really matter. I still think that uh, I still think that you're looking at Goodwin coming in. Yeah. Um, as far as the undrafted free agents, they signed a shit ton of them. The only one Andrew that really sort of fascinates everybody and this is a plug for Dave tomorrow. He's got an interview with him uh, as Brandon Coleman of Rutgers on Canal Street Chronicles. You can ask him questions. You can join the chat live. So go to Canal Street Chronicles to get the information on that. But he seems a guy, Andrew, from what I read about him, he's tall and he was injured, but then he got healthy and he was supposed to be drafted in the fourth, fifth round. He didn't get drafted. Um, he's really fascinating because he's really tall. And we have a we Saints fans, we cling to the fact that, hey, they drafted – Colston in the seventh round, he'll be the next Colston, and we didn't even have the ways to pick on him. Um, is there anybody besides him that you look at the undrafted free agents and you're like, ooh, that guy is interesting. I'll be watching him in training camp. Yeah, Tim Flanders, the running back. Um, I think just because historically, if you look at um, in the Sean Payton era, I mean, obviously, who, who are the best undrafted free agents? And obviously, you've got some other success stories like Junior Gallette, other positions, but um, really running back, I mean, Chris Ivory, Kyrie Robinson, uh, Pierre Thomas, um, you know, even Joey Bell, who's been awesome with the Lions. I mean, so they have, for whatever reason, been really, really strong at finding good running backs um, after the draft. And this guy in particular, I mean, he rushed for almost 7,000 yards um, and 5.7 yards per carry in his career. And um, he's statistically just incredible, dominant, um, you know, the all-time leading rusher in conference history. So, um, you know, obviously his competition wasn't very good, but neither was Chris Ivory's and neither was Kyrie Robinson's. And so um, obviously they know w- what to look for and they find talent um, in unusual places. So that's a guy I think, why not? Why not him? Why can't he be the next Pierre Thomas that makes the roster? But you know what? The one thing I will say is I feel like these undrafted rookie free agents every year, there's one or two guys that the fans hold on to. Uh, Chase Thomas is an example of this last year, and they're usually the first guys cut. And I hope it works out for Brandon Thomas. I mean, obviously his size is nice. And when you think about the Saints offense with Graham and Brandon Cooks, hopefully, and Colston, so much attention is being pulled towards those guys that, I mean, God, if you could have this kid one-on-one in coverage with a 5'9 corner, um, because everyone else is kind of being focused on, then maybe Drew Brees can make a star out of him and make plays with this kid. So hopefully he makes the team. But in my experience, a lot of times it's the guys you expect uh, to make the team that don't do so well, and it's the Tim Lolitos, the Kevin Reddicks, and you know the Joshua Hills that end up making the team. So Kevin, are you like me, and I want – Tim Flanders just to make the team so I can drop in Simpson sound effects of Homer saying Flanders over and over again. Stupid, sexy Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's get to the draft as a whole. And before we get to Michael Sam, which we all have an interest in that, um, Kevin, he said with great disdain, I, I'm just, I, it, all right, moving on. All right, moving on. Uh, Johnny Manziel, is he going to replace Tim Tebow as ESPN's go-to topic, Kevin? Oh, dude, it's already happened, man. It already happened. That's that's yeah. Tebow's Tebow's yesterday's news, man. This is this is what's this is what's now or whatever the hell that stupid <laughs> tournament was that they had a few years ago. This is yeah. This is what's now, and it's Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for the dude that was drafted after him. Yeah, they're I like, think, I think it was Jason Verrett, but it was just more highlights of Manziel while he was being drafted. Was there any disappointment that the Saints didn't pick Michael Sam? Not because you think he's a player or, or my reason was I wanted the Saints to pick him because I want more Saints coverage on ESPN and Michael Sam being on the Saints would have guaranteed it. But Dave, I'll start with you. Were you disappointed that the Saints didn't pick Michael Sam uh, for any reason? Um, from a, from a blogger standpoint, I don't know whether I'm upset because, you know, then I would have a million things to write about or whether I'm happy because it probably would have been a nightmare with, uh, you know, commenters and, Oh, that's true. I I mean, it probably, I mean, you know, I I think it 
I think this topic tends to bring out the worst in a lot of people. A lot of yes, people have very strong, a lot of people have very strong opinions about it. Um, but uh, but from a fan standpoint, I'm I'm I, I'm disappointed because uh, certainly I would like to see the Saints be the team that leads the charge in this in this movement. I'm all for that. But at the same time, I think I think it's a total distraction. Uh, you know, Peyton would but would probably do a good job of of handling it just as well as any other coach, I think, and trying to not not make it be a distraction. But it's unavoidable from the national perspective. So uh, I I just think it, it would have overshadowed anything the Saints were even doing on the field. And Andrew doesn't it, 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 my opinion was it's not a distraction early because the Saints can say, look, he has or the Rams are going to say, look, he's got one press conference. Get it out of the way, and then he's not talking anymore. So it's not a distraction then. But, Andrew, I'm going to say if Michael Sams isn't an NFL-quality player, which it's a 50-50 proposition, I think that he makes the roster at best, I think it could be a huge issue if you have to cut him. Yeah, not not necessarily. I mean, I think he's a seventh-round pick. Everyone understands the the rules of engagement. I, there's a good chance that yeah, we he, no, but do non do, do non NFL foot do non football fans understand that? That's a good point. Yeah, and you know, I think Michael Sam um, is the number one or number two jersey being sold right now on number NFL.com. Two. Number, number two. two, and so uh, my guess is there's a lot of people buying those jerseys that are all of a sudden invested that don't know football that well and maybe wouldn't understand if he was cut before the second preseason game or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, but, uh, I, personally I'm glad, like Dave said, I'm glad the saints didn't draft him besides the fact that I just don't think, I mean, they, they already have the linebackers with Ford. I mean, I, I just think it's not a, a good fit, um, from a roster standpoint, um, I just, the media attention, some people love that you got, I mean, I know Ralph, you're a big fan of that. Personally, I don't need to see the saints on ESPN. I don't need to. In fact, I kind of like my team to be under the radar. I like that the saints are small market and, you know, in 2009, when they make the, the super bowl, it, it kind of forces everyone to pay attention to them. And I like it to be that way as opposed to because of what they do on the field, as opposed to, you know, some, gimmicky guy that they sign that's I mean I, I would feel the same way about Tim Tebow it's the same way I, I wouldn't want them to draft Tim Tebow because the the player is just not that good and the circus that surrounds him is just a distraction I like the circus Kevin uh your thoughts on Michael Sam and the kiss to his boyfriend which some people tried to make it out like he was they were making out or what I don't even know what the hell it was but discuss the freak out by certain people on the kiss and do you think it was overblown just a tad or just go just go ahead i know you want to discuss this so no well, yeah. no i mean <laughs> and i want i want your thoughts on it because i i know you want to you want to vent you want to vent so go ahead go ahead um here we go grabs popcorn yeah yeah now i feel, in irony of ironies i feel i feel like this is this may be built up more than i i, I don't know um don't disappoint don't, me held great <laughs> hashtag higher held yeah oh, oh yeah actually i gotta bring that up uh, at the end at the close of the show um we have a new rallying point um yeah like so i saw the michael sam thing and you know him breaking down getting the phone call and then he started kissing his boyfriend and you know i don't know that many gay people so i haven't really seen two dudes kiss before like in a real situation like not uh you know not like if you're out in the french quarter on mardi gras or you know or if you watched uh brokeback mountain or whatever like this like two actual genuine people so it was sort of it was it was like a brief it was like stunning for a moment it was like oh oh yeah Oh yeah, yeah. They people do that. So, okay. And after I got over that or after that it happened, I it it then re, I then realized, yeah, this is something I have to deal with. <laughs> I have to deal with. 
everybody then has to deal with in their own way. Not this ain't anything that 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 these two motherfuckers did. It's it's how we react to them. They're just doing what fucking people do. You know? What about like, that's it. Like, what like, about like, that's, children? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna defer to Louis C.K. on that. Like his his great rant. It's like, well, what about the kids? What about the kids? I don't know. They're your shitty fucking kids. You tell them. You try and tell. I mean, look, if you want to sit there and tell the if you want to sit there and be a gay bashing bigot and explain that to your kid, then be my guest. Go ahead. But you're going to have to fucking say something because this is the reality now. It's not like it's not like they were, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's not like not like anything ridiculous is going on. If this was a dude, if this was if this was a dude and a woman, uh I'd probably – I think the only thing I would say is you know, how many times were they going to kiss because I'm one of those like non-PDA kind of people. So yeah, well, that's Let's be it. honest. There, there's a lot of shit on TV that I'm much more worried about my four-year-old seeing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. There like, is a, wa- exactly. like walking in during Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy and Andrew, any, any, why is that guy bleeding out of the neck? Yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew, here's the thing, the one thing that sort of irks me about this situation, okay? The 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 the, the dumbass dolphin guy tweets OMG and, and and horrible or gross. And he gets suspended and he can't go to minicamp and they fine him and all that. And the NFL like drops the fucking hammer on him. Ray Rice can cold cock his fiance in the in the elevator. She's out cold, and he's carrying her away. Jim Ursay had enough drugs in his car to start a CVS. They do nothing to either of them, but right. some dude tweets on Twitter, and they gotta fucking drop the fucking hammer on him. Yeah, I think that's just part of. Um... I mean, it's kind of like the whole Goodell thing with the Saints. I think it's just when when you strike the iron while it's hot, that's a sensitive issue topic right now that's in the forefront of the media and, and politics and everything. And so unfortunately for him, I think he's bearing the brunt of uh, just a, a general zero tolerance policy by the country and sports right now on racism and homophobia. I think and, that's and, just... and, well, and don't forget the Dolphins had their own little uh, issue last year. Yeah, but I mean, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, you know, on some level, you shouldn't behave that way, and obviously, you you definitely shouldn't behave that way, and and there should be consequences for um, saying those types of things. So there's nothing wrong, I think, with it. But um, you're up, there is a double standard there, without question. I mean, I, I think when a, a guy cold cocks his wife, or um, you know, or say an owner has that much paraphernalia in his car, I mean. They should have to answer to things, too, and I think in the grand scheme of things, that's as egregious, if not worse. I mean, hitting your wife in the face is worse than making, I think, a comment on Twitter that – I mean, he, he he just said horrible. It's not like he went out of his way to bash gays, and you know, he obviously he yeah. needs some schooling, but I mean – And I'm not – To me, that's not, not the worst thing you could ever do. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, def- no. I'm not defending the tweet. I'm just saying I want at least – not equal justice from Gingerham or Goodell. I just want a little bit of balance. That's all I'm asking for. You know? Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to uh, – But I guess I guess Riley Cooper got a similar – I mean he dropped he dropped the N-bomb, which obviously is so much worse than what <laughs> the other guy did, the Dolphins guy. And I, I guess they were both suspended, so I don't know. All right, we got – Tons of questions, so I'm going to get to them. Uh, Kevin, I'll start with you. This is from Super Saiyan Saint. Uh, biggest in-game douche. Harbaugh on the field. Is he worse than Chris Berman at the draft? That's a tough one. That's tough. Well, I tell you what. I'm going to go Harbaugh. Even even though the metric even though the metrics would point to Berman since he's uh, on the TV for right since, since he's on the TV for a greater uh, period of time, but seeing as how I'm the guy who doesn't have cable, <laughs> you know I don't experience uh, Berman. I, I, I in fact I rarely see Berman 
Ever. I'm rarely I rarely see him except anytime I see him, it's on a TV at a bar, but the TV's mute. So, oh, yeah, I I still get that from time to time. You know, like like other than that, eh, whatever. But Jim Harbaugh, man, that guy (laughs) needs to be pushed into like a big puddle of mud. (laughs) This is a question from Andrew. Uh, I don't know if this is legal to ask questions but you asked you said ralph someone accused you of being a seven-year-old for making pirate jokes is that a compliment since the rest of us act like we're six on the podcast uh someone did make fun of my pirate jokes in an email to me about my channel four column i would say uh no andrew that's a deep deep hurtful insult because i love pirate jokes almost as much as i love beer and um they can make – I'd rather a person make fun of me only having one good arm than make fun of me telling pirate jokes. So, uh, Dave – Well, I, I, I just want to say um, you know, what's most offensive more than any insult is the defense of C. Grant. That <laughs> was a I guy defending in the email. He's, I mean defending C. Grant is without question the most offensive and horrific yeah. thing that anyone could ever say. Um. C. Grant is maybe the the worst linebacker picks of all the linebacker picks that are bad. But, Dave, this one's for you, too. This is from Super Saiyan Saint, too. I like this one. Can we start calling John Jenkins the Prince of Po' Boys? The Prince of Po' Boys? Uh, what's his weight at? I'm assuming he's he hasn't, like, uh, put on any extra weight. I get, well, it's God, I hope not. <laughs> We're about to find out. I don't know. We can only give him that name if we know that he really likes the Po' Boys. Although I guess he probably likes to eat anything. <laughs> Kevin, this is, this, I don't think eating's a problem for John Jenkins. <laughs> Kevin, this is a question for you from uh, Grandmaster Wang, aka Who's Denied. Uh, Kyrie Robinson, Kyrie Fort, Kyrie Byron, or Kyrie, Kyrie Byron, Kyrie Byron, or Kyrie Ke- Whirler. No, 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 Kyrie Byron. Kyrie Byron or yeah. Kyrie Worrier. He forgot, he forgot Corey Johnson, though. And Corey Johnson. <laughs> Corey Johnson. Corey Johnson. K-A-A-R-E. <laughs> glad, I'm glad one of you got that. Um, uh, I'm going I'm going Terry Wurr. Uh, I used to work at a video store, and uh, she would show up on a few – a few random titles that would appear on the wall from time to time, and it would just be like, well – I'll be taking this movie and fast forwarding uh, to some to some decent parts. So, yeah, like Carrie Byron is the is the gal next door that uh, knows how to blow stuff up that you're that you're real good friends with. And she introduces you to her friends and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. And you end up having a real cool relationship because she's like the one cool gal who happens to be hot. But I don't know, man, I I grew, you know, growing up, Carrie Warr. Helped a uh, helped a post-adolescent uh, Kevin get through some tough times. Andrew, this is from Skooks. Uh, do football players even need knees anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The first guy I thought of actually was that guy on the Spurs. I'm blanking on his name. But he tore both ACLs when he, he was doesn't in have them anymore. It's a he like has Blair. no ACLs and yeah, Dwayne Blair. Uh, what, what's his name? Blair. Yeah. Yeah, so literally he just worked out so much after tearing his knees in high school and made his quads so strong that he basically – they just compensate for him having no knees, and, and he doesn't need them. Um, so obviously knees are overrated, and obviously Mickey Loomis <laughs> thinks knees are overrated. So, hell, I'm on board. Dave, Trust in Loomis. Dave, this is from OK Awesome. Uh, Tom Benson had a knee surgery to repair a meniscus. Is he uh, PUP eligible? Yeah, he'll have to sit out the first eight weeks of the season, but uh, then the Saints will have the option whether they want to bring him on the active roster. And then when they bring him on the active roster, he's got two weeks. uh, What I want to know know is if he got an Achilles tendon from a cadaver. Oh, he probably did. I can tell you that he got the best possible 
<laughs> medicine there is. I mean, he has donated. There's a whole Tom and Gail Benson Cancer Center. I drove by the other day. I drive by there all the time on River Road. And, and I drive by and I'm just thinking, like, I bet this son of a bitch built this. So if he gets cancer, he's just going to get the best treatment and beat this damn thing. Uh, I mean, those are, that's the stuff you can do when you have money. You can you can pay the best doctors. So I'm sure he'll be so, whatever so you're he saying. Done. So you're saying he's not getting an Achilles tendon from a cadaver. He's getting it from a live person. Oh yeah, they like kill. Hopefully some not guy. Cam Cleland. They like killed some guy and and took out his knee, like some like 18 year old athlete, and they like killed him just to take <laughs> his knee and oh, then put gosh. it on Benson. Well, yeah, these are the things you can do with a lot of money. Nobody, yeah. nobody ever heard from that guy again. Uh. Andrew, does Loomis math allow us to get two knees for the price of one? <laughs> uh, obviously. Haven't you been paying attention? Haven't right. you been watching the draft? I mean, the, of the Saints draft picks, how many guys did they end up getting? Six? Five guys? Five guys. And there's probably, what, three collective working knees? <laughs> so This... This one's from the Angry Ocho, and this is specifically for Sean Orleans. So, oh. Kevin, <laughs> get, in, after, get in character, Sean. After the nip slip during the draft, shave, thinning cream, or naturally hairless? Uh, well, when Sean Orleans, uh, Sean Orleans wears an Under Armour shirt, so there isn't any real risk of bearing the chest, but. Sean Orleans does, uh, you know, trim things down with a electric electric trimmer, and then, and then if I want to go with the uh, the baby skin, I just go with a razor and shaving cream. <laughs> Thanks for that. All right, this question was for me. More likely to last? Well, rather, I post more pictures of my bruised up freaking body. Oh, God. Yes, please. <laughs> this one is for me. More likely to last three weeks in the training camp. Uh, Tim Lolito. At starting center or Ralph's liver, given the Astros bullpen, um, he's not—he's not lasting a. He'll be on the team, but he—he's not—he's not starting any games in the preseason at center unless uh, Jonathan Goodwin decides to retire or gets injured. So, and that—and I will believe that until told otherwise. Uh, so, Andrew, this question's for you. When Flanders takes Cadet's roster spot, uh, does he eviscerate and take his number, or does a new friendship begin? <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot of numbers out there. I mean, he can pick a new one. Uh, but uh, it's possible. I could definitely see Flanders taking Cadet's spot. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I thought Cadet – didn't really wasn't really deserving of a roster spot last year based on how he performed in the preseason. <laughs> Dave, um, how many undrafted free agent rookies will be s- slaughtered by the Saints for various ACLs? <laughs> uh, wait, who who's who's getting the the bad ACLs, the new guys, or the, or the new guys? They're just gonna murder. I guess they're just gonna murder. No, they're getting the good. They're getting the healthy ACLs. Yeah, they're just murdering undrafted free agents and taking their AC, ACLs and giving giving them to healthy people. So, how many undrafted rookies are gonna die? Oh. Uh, oh, I thought Jimmy Haslam was uh, was sending homeless people for that. <laughs> oh my God! Like he was asking them for draft <laughs> advice and then killing them. <laughs> I'd say three. <laughs> three. That's six knees. You could you could you could repair six knees with that. Alright, Kevin, this is from Super Deformed who called into the podcast uh on Friday. Uh true or know. false, my drunken incoherent draft analysis is just as as valid as everyone on ESPN and the NFL network. Uh I'm comfortable saying at least half. I'm saying eighty. I'm saying eighty percent because I don't think Gruden knew any other players besides Johnny Manziel. Andrew. I'll I'll throw I'll throw this stat out. Todd McShay had the Saints drafting Antonio Richardson in the first round, a tackle out of Tennessee. Dude went undrafted. What? <laughs> That's not true. That is a that, fireable offense. That, is that true, Andrew? You just make that up. No, look it up, man. Oh my. God, McShay. He's getting oranger every year, too. Wow. 
that's 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 bad. I mean, woo. I mean, I, I mean, that's, so, that's, so super, that's super, super deformed, you. super deformed. You're you're looking good, buddy. You may you may be getting a job pretty soon here. Dave, the mothership. <laughs> this is a good one for you. This is a good question. This is from Super Deformed Two. With all the CrossFit and stripper banging, Sean Payton does. Does he have a six pack? No, and you know what he does have that I always – he's got those pointy-ass nipples that always stick out. And he wears these, like, you know, Nike and Under Armour shirts that are kind of tight to his body. And, like, every picture he, – he still has a little bit of the man boobs. You know, before he did CrossFit, he definitely had the man boobs. He, he was, he was, he was Bill, a mold of Bill Parcells in, in every – physically and coaching-wise. You know, he was re- – but Parcells has the big, best man boobs on anybody. And Peyton looked like he was <laughs> – Striving to to achieve parcel greatness in the man boob category, uh, but uh, since he's done cross uh, CrossFit, he's definitely uh, toned him down a little bit. But still, like you see these pictures with like people like on Facebook and with fans and stuff, and he it's like, dude, turn down the headlights, Peyton. What's going on, man? Are you cold? What's the deal? <laughs> All right, this is the uh, this is the we've only got a couple more. Uh, Kevin, this will start with you. We'll start this one with you. Given the NFL wanted to have WWE-style entrance music, pick the entrance music themes for each podcast member. So, Kevin, you can start. What would be your entrance music for the podcast, I guess? Wait, wait, wait so I'm, pick, I'm picking the Pick entrance your entrance music. Since draft picks can have entrance music, we should have entrance music. What What would be your entrance music? Would it oh, be, uh, would it be oh. the same? Go ahead. Okay, yeah, no, I'm going to go House of the Rising Sun by the Gaslight Anthem simply because it's the closest I'm probably going to get to Pearl Jam covering that song. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, uh, what is it? It's, uh, what, it's I can't think of the name, but it's the Nazareth song where they say, now you're messing with a son of a bitch. I can't think of the title, but that would be that would be my entrance. Is that your wife in the background? Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's my wife going, what? So, Andrew, what would be your entrance music? Oh God! What the uh, hell? Yeah, how, how do I follow that up? Is that your bangle is, cat? That is, is that a baby or that what is, is a bangle cat? All right then. Uh, I, well, I feel like I have to pick something by the Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, you uh, do. Based solely on the fact that I played in a band called the Stone Temple Pirates, and uh, <laughs> they're my favorite band. Um, so, I mean, you know, they've, they've got lots of, uh, lots of great songs, but, uh, I think, uh, maybe the song dead and bloated would be most appropriate. <laughs> Dave. Wait, what, what's this question? This entrance is for me music. too. Entrance music for the podcast. Oh, I thought we already talked about this. I thought we weren't wanted, we wanted to do host. <laughs> No, 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 you personally, is, Dave. No, you, no, yeah, yeah. This is this is what is Dave? What would Dave want? Like, if if they were saying, and here's your co-host, fr- six feet tall from the University of whatever the fuck. Oh, Duhast. <laughs> nice. All right. I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't pick Duhast. Yeah, right, that but, opening that is is ridiculous. That's perfect. How do you not get pumped up, Duhast? Um. Just a couple more, Kevin, and make it quick. Kill, marry, fuck. Michael Sam, Brandon Cooks, a pirate. That's from... <laughs> a pirate. That's from Mandula. Uh, Michael Sam, uh, probably a little bit too big. Uh... Ah! Good luck. Good lord! <laughs> What? How, seriously, how many feet? How many feet Sounds away? Like paranormal activity. How many out. feet away is she right now? How many feet away? Like 10, 20. God, how do you still have eardrums intact, man? Um, <laughs> how are you still alive? How do you still have a pulse? I don't. I'm really dead. I died five years ago. <laughs> well, there, there's your paranormal activity. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say marry Michael Sam because something tells me you know we'd we'd probably have like gay people over and I pro you know the house would look nice and and they'd be I, kissing making you feel uncomfortable and shit. Yeah, but again, I you would just gotta to get, get used to it, Kevin. Right, I would get used to it. That would be my thing. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, okay, cool. 
I'm going to be over here watching, you know, Game of Thrones. Sports. Watching sports. Watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, Mary, Michael, Sam. And who are the other two? Pirate. Uh, well, well pirate, which state are you going to be living in, in Kevin? Because you can't, you can't just marry Michael, Sam in any state. Right. Um, <laughs> touche. <laughs> touche. Um, I suppose I would probably have to fuck the pirate because one, one, you didn't specify what gender the pirate was, so it could be one of those like hot porno female pirates. Mm-hmm. Or Kevin's going after the booty. And then you're gonna kill Brandon Cooks? That's not very practical. Well, because here's the thing: are you are you look? You can say, "Oh, I'll kill the pirate." Really, really? Good luck. Good luck trying to kill a pirate. Those things are tough to kill. Yeah. All right. All right. Um. Let's see. So that's my yeah. Dr. Jack Ramsey right. breakdown of Medulla, that. He asked this question. I'm going to answer it real quick. He said Brandon Cooks tweeted your instead of you apostrophe R E. Does, no, does, does this Three make him the Roddy of this White? Fucking country doesn't know how to get that right. Does this make him the Roddy White of the Saints now? Medulla, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. Um, Punch you in the ovaries. <laughs> Punch you in the ovaries. So that's, that's the number one Saints fan in the history of the Netherlands, right there. Oh, he's from the Netherlands. Yes, that's yeah. cool. So we we'll have to get to some of these questions next week as they go on and on. But um, go to Canal, go to SaintsNation.com. Andrew's got all the draft stuff. Go to Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, Brandon Coleman. Brandon Coleman interview tomorrow. Uh, I hear a rumor that Kevin might be writing before training camp starts something. He uh-huh. did not hear that rumor. <laughs> well, actually, no, 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 no. It was the apocalypse, Ralph. Oh yeah. Oh wait, doesn't Kevin the apocalypse. have? Doesn't well, Kevin actually, have... I did write a long form piece on uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's architecture for the website I work at, but something tells me that's not what you guys are talking about. Oh yeah, I'll be sure <laughs> to put that on the blog. Uh, wait, didn't you have? <laughs> didn't you have something to say about higher held? Oh yeah. Yeah, so so apparently uh, the big lead is going to be – yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is something that we have to rally around. Uh, apparently the guys at the big lead are going to be looking to get a uh, new writer. Uh, the guy that's leaving was big on uh, – Writer, on, I barely know her. That's <laughs> Wow. Wow. He was big on on uh, wrestling, writing about wrestling and in, uh, putting up gifts of uh, Kate Upton doing various Shit. adorable things. So that's your dream. It's your. He's like a more, it's your, it's like a more successful you. It's right. Gifts, you asshole. <laughs> gifts. It's gifts. Hi. <sighs> uh, so basically, at the big lead. Hashtag higher help. We'll go, we need to. We need to make that happen. Yes. And remember, remember, people. Hashtag higher help. Donate so we can have clear audio. Um, and do all that and. Uh, Thanks for all the questions. God, they had so many. We could we could go probably another forty minutes, but we'll get to them next week. I promise. Thanks. Thank God. <laughs> all right. So for Andrew, for for Kevin, I'm Ralph. Uh, until next week, be safe. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.